Hey, this episode is sponsored by the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Enjoy. Hey, it's Lauren here from the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Building a business can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. Through ongoing training, online workshops, and monthly guest experts, the Spirit Team membership is a supportive community where entrepreneurs encourage and support each other while learning and becoming the best they can be. Put me on your team to keep you accountable, to help you reach your goals, and to cheer you on. Valued at $2,800 a month, yours for only $50 a month, and you can try it for 14 days for free. There's a link to the Spirit Team in the show notes. Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. Lauren and welcome to The Afterlight. My guest today is Paul Wood. Paul has spent over 10 years working with the healing arts and has taught energy healing in three continents for the last five years. His background includes studying pranic energy healing, intensive training in Hatha Yoga, training in meditation, breath work, and advanced asanas. Paul's mission is to create massive shifts in the lives of others by enhancing their energy system and helping them to correct imbalances that may be occurring and to expand people's awareness of their own innate healing abilities. I've asked Paul to join me on the show today to talk about, well, I think we'll talk a little tiny, tiny bit about pranic energy healing, but primarily what we're going to be talking about today is yoga, meditation, and breathing. Thank you so much for being on the show, Paul. Thank you. Great to be here again. So I think that we can't really get into the whole discussion of yoga, meditation, breathing without talking a little bit about, you know, you and and your past and the kind of work that you are doing because it's all really intertwined. For our listener at home, we did have uh, Paul on the show already and we discussed, you know, pranic healing. So if you are wanting to know more information on that subject, I'll put a link in the show notes to um, our last episode and you can check it out. But Paul, for those people at home who want to know right now what pranic healing is all about, can you tell me just a little bit about that and also how your journey started? Sure. So um, I guess the way that you know, it's, it's one of those things I, I always feel like, how do you describe it quickly? <laughs> Um, so it's if I was going to describe it quickly today I would say it's a system that we use to clear out energy blocks and I don't mean that in a kind of fluffy way I mean that in a very tangible way so if there's stress if there's anxiety if there's physical pain we take that out of the system and re-energize the system with fresh energy or prana and that's then the catalyst or the fuel for the body uh, to heal so that's i guess in a nutshell how we work with pranic energy healing um and my journey really was one of you know like how do you describe it like a kind of a mistake in a sense that are I there am, mistakes um, though paul yeah i know are right? there really <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, a lady um that i was fitting a bathroom for when i was a plumber um you know she said to me you know you're a healer 
and I, I uh, hung around her for a little while and learned off her and then didn't really do anything with it for a few years and then went on to learn from this school and you know when I went to learn from this school all the things that I'd been reading about all the things that were uh, you know questions in my mind does it work how does it work you know does this stuff even exist they were getting answered in the very first course I did uh, you know we were looking at auras uh, we were you know feeling the chakra you know we were changing energy in a way that you know it's just undeniable it's you know it's there it's happening so um, for me, that was, you know, really, that, that was the, the real turning point. And then I thought, okay, you know, I can pursue this. Yeah, because yeah, I know that you have a bit, well, I was under the impression last time we talked that you had a bit of a analytical mind and you wanted to see these things sort of really happen before you believe that. And, you know, I will share with our listener and, you know, for anyone who's, who listened to the last episode, they know that uh, I shared things in that episode that, that really showed that I needed some kind of a tune-up, which I ended up getting from Paul. So basically, my experience with the pranic energy was uh, you and I live in the same state, but we're quite far away. So we actually ended up doing um, our sessions over the phone. And, uh, you know, the first session for me in particular was really interesting because um, what Paul has you do is you have a discussion and then you kind of hang up and you lie down, you know, in a comfortable area and which I did. And I felt it's the best way to describe it for me is almost fuzzy, like fuzzy sort of, well, energy basically, but it felt staticky almost all over. And I could really feel you know, oh, something is happening, you know, and not in a placebo way, in a legit, I could feel, you know, things moving kind of way. And I remember feeling pressure in certain areas, including, you know, my knee. And I think I probably felt in my shoulder that time. Anyway, I had a few sessions, so they were all sort of mixed into one. But it was such a cool thing that, you know, you can have this conversation with someone, hang up the phone, and then you're doing, you know, the work that you're doing on your end. And I'm, you know, thousands of miles away and I'm still, you know, feeling that, that happen. And so, yeah, it was pretty undeniable to me too, that there were things that were happening with that. Uh, Cause that's the first time that I experienced a pranic energy healing before too. And it's, it was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was very cool. And Paul helped me very much too, because our listener at home is going, yeah, but what happened? Well, that's none of your damn business, but I will say that it <laughs> helped me very well. So that's good. <laughs> now, I know that you've done a lot of different types of work, Paul, which has, you know, a lot of it has lent itself, obviously, to your pranic healing practice, but you also do a lot of breath work and meditation and yoga, things like that. So that's going to be the subject that we do discuss today. So first of all, can you tell me, well, do you think we should be, it's kind of funny because yoga meditation and breath work really do kind of all work together but is there one that sort of starts off the others um well i think that like is an individual thing really um i, I mean you know like for me so basically the the reason that all those things work together um is because of that common link which is pranic energy right so prana is an indian word and it means vital life force energy and so 
you know, the meditation or the yoga or the um, breath work, all three of those things are really manipulating the energy. Now, in a yogic sense, right, you do your asana first, and that's what we call yoga um, in the West. You know, that's like if you go to a yoga studio, you'll do your asana, which is, means pose, and that's your, you know, sun salutations or, you know, standing on one leg or, you know, trying to get your leg behind your head or something like this, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's to prepare the body. So that's, that's like the physical part of the practice. Then you go on to do the, the breath work and the breath work starts to cleanse the energy body or the, the subtle bodies. And so, you know, some of those subtle bodies uh, are related to emotion and some of those subtle bodies are related to thought. And it's, it becomes like, you know, people often tell me, oh, you know, I can't, I can't do breath work because I kind of feel panicky. Or, you know, if I try to keep up with the breath work, I think you might have said it last interview, right? You know, yeah. if I try to do the breath work, I get a little, you know, kind of uh, makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And this is the, the, the energy that's trapped in the emotional body or the mental body trying to find a way out. And that's great if you're with, a, you know, a yoga teacher that is very uh, aligned to the kind of work that we're talking about. But often they're not taught in that way. No, I'm not diminishing yoga teachers. and I'm not even diminishing the way they're taught. It's just that, you know, what we're presented with in the West is yoga. You know, like, for example, I went and did a month in an ashram and I got my yoga teaching certificate. Right. Um, whereas, you know, a yogi of the past in India, you know, if, yeah. if someone had gone to him and said, how long have you been practicing guru? And he'd have said a month. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have sort of gone to that guy. You, you know, he would have needed much more experience to guide you through the emotional and mental changes that you would have undergone. And, and so, you know, th these are the things that really, uh, you know, that's the reason why we don't get very clear answers, I, I guess, you know, with the breath work and things. Once then you've done the um, breath work, then the next stage is meditation because you've cleansed the physical body, you've cleansed the emotional and mental body, and then yeah, allegedly you can sit still in meditation right. and have a, you know, <laughs> a meditative experience. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a work in progress, right? Right. Well, that makes sense why, you know, you end with Shavasana and some teachers are very focused on the Shavasana, which is the corpse pose where you do sort of lie and do some sort of a meditate, integrate, um, you know, what the practice has been about for long periods of time. It's funny too, you know, if we go back to the subject of yoga and talk about that for a bit, I've had a lot of different teachers in yoga. I'm sure you have too. And yeah. I remember I first took yoga when I was at radio school back when I was about 19, 20. And I remember our, our teacher was teaching it to us. Our radio teacher was teaching us yoga. <laughs> it wasn't very effective. And I remember I did not get it at all. It wasn't, I mean, I'm 19, so there's probably reasons for that. But, you know, I just, I didn't understand it. And it could have been the teacher, but it just wasn't for me. So fast forward years later, probably about 10 years later, then I finally got into yoga. And I've had lots of different types of teachers. And some teachers, I had an Indian teacher 
who, you know, very strict style. And that was very intense, you know, where you do the sun salutations to the point where you're so exhausted and then you're allowed to have a drink of water. You know, at some point you're not allowed to have a drink of water before your body is heated up properly and stuff. And, you know, I've had experiences like that. And then I've had experiences with teachers and, you know, some of this, I apologize if you're not familiar with yoga, I'm not going to try to use a lot of jargon because that's rude. But, you know, at the end of class, I had a teacher go into a sun salutation for about five minutes and then end the class. And so there are a whole bunch of different, (laughs) there are a whole bunch of different teachers with a whole bunch of different skill levels. And I think one thing that I really want to say is that when you find a yoga teacher or a yoga style that suits you, at least for me, for me, it transformed my whole life. And I don't know how you feel about, you know, yoga, Paul, but, you know, you being a teacher, clearly it's a passion for you too, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Yoga is such, for me, has been such a journey of um, kind of putting the ego to the side in a lot of ways, being in the moment, breathing through whatever comes, and then seeing the progress in that. What kind of yoga journey, you know, have you had and how has yoga, you know, sort of affected your life, do you feel? You know, for me, like yoga was always one of these words that just made sense. Like I'd heard the word and I sort of asked someone about it and I was like, oh, yeah. And so I just assumed that the rest of the world felt like that about it. (laughs) They don't. Where I was, no, that's right. Well, where I was from in Manchester, like, you know, like (laughs) my friends weren't into yoga. And yeah. um, <laughs> plumbing <laughs> so, friends, they weren't into yoga. That, no, not at all. I can remember <laughs> asking my best mate if he wanted to come to a yoga class with me. I, I don't been to a couple of classes, and, and he swore at me. You know, he yeah. was like, "I don't want to, <laughs> you know, go to yeah. one of those classes." And I was like, "Oh, all right." So it was like me and my mum went. You know, my <laughs> it's like yeah, the we sort of tag we went along, and uh, you, you know, like. I didn't know anything about it. And I, like a lot of things, I thought I was going for a different reason. And I went, I was going to, because I wanted to be more flexible because I was really into martial arts. I wanted to be able to kick higher. Uh, and that was my reason for going, you know. Uh, and um, I came out of that first class with a very unusual feeling. And I was trying to describe it to my mom. And I, I'm not sure she was in the same place as me, but I was like, you know, I'd found a little bit of peace. I'd found a little bit of stillness. Mm. Yeah. And, but also at the same time, I felt energized. And that was completely not my life experience, you know, from on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So that really opened the door for me, you know. Uh, And, you know, we'd go to that class and the lady that took that class was very, very humble. And I think that's why it worked because you had... Mm you know just a mix of people my mom she you know uh is a chef was you know i was a plumber you know there was a guy well we did it above a pub you know it was like oh. in a <laughs> you know like the function room of a pub yeah <laughs> and the, the lady that took I know, right? the lady that took the class she was a lollipop lady that was her other job you know that helps the kids cross the road oh right yeah so, you know, she was very honest about her experience. And so, you know, she'd do poses, like she'd do the plow 
and we'd all laugh, you know, <laughs> we'd like, ha, 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 you expect us to do that, you know, because we thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, and so for anyone that doesn't know the plow, you lie on your back and kind of put your legs over your head and touch the floor. I mean, it seems impossible if you've never done that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and she said, no, that's exactly what I was like. She said, but now it's one of my favorite poses and it's really restful. And I thought, restful, how can that be restful? It looks excruciating. But lo and behold, you know, 10, 15, I don't know how many years later, um, it is a very restful, restful pose. It's a beautiful pose. Yeah. yeah, I remember going to yoga with a friend. And, you know, for those who are curious about it, it's always good to go with a friend, you know, if you feel nervous about going something, you know, for the first time. But I remember we would just kill ourselves laughing. I mean, trying to do it quietly because we couldn't do certain poses. And it, yep. and also when you're sort of working through a pose, it hurts so much that you almost need to laugh to deal with breathing through the pain. And I remember sometimes, I remember in, in a few cases, I could do things that she couldn't do. And she was like, how are you doing that? And I said, I don't know. I just, you know. <laughs> so I think that's the other thing too, is you have these skills that you don't realize you possess. I remember I was on a plane one time and I sat beside a woman. We were talking. This is before I did yoga. And she told me that yoga is what you do when you love yourself. And I remember always remembering that. And the reason why I started yoga was because a woman I worked with in a restaurant, a waitress, she was teaching classes. So she wanted our support. So we went and that's mm. how we started. And mm. I remember much like your feeling that there's that feeling of peace. And it's almost as though you're in your body for the first time. You feel peace and you also feel a little bit high. Like mm -hmm. I know coming out of a yoga class, it's been really good. And you feel as though you're on this totally different drug than you've never experienced before. And, and you actually think, should I be driving right now? Because you're so, do you know what I mean, Paul? Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, there's science behind it, you know, <laughs> like the poses release the endorphins are the, are the same endorphins that do get released when we take some kind of, you know, pharmaceutical or recreational All drug. Right. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, happy and high without the hangover. That's why I used yeah. to tell my friends back home, you know, they'd be like, why are you doing all this? I'd be like, no hangover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny, though, when you, you know, you talk to people about yoga and, you know, I, I find that I'm one of those annoying people that if I'm in a class and I know there's new people in the class and if I don't have confidence in the teacher, I actually sometimes spend part of the class stressing out that the people that are there for the first time aren't going to love it and they're never yeah. going to try it again. And, yeah. you know, for me, I think that, you know, it's so important to try different types of yoga and experience different types of teachers because I've been to classes where the teacher won't shut up. They talk the whole time. And for me, I don't like that because I want to be alone to process, focus on my breathing and pay attention to all the things, you know, the directives as opposed to somebody trying to fill the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah. you know, do you have any recommendations for people when they're looking to start yoga? Like maybe what style or what they should be looking for? Yeah, my recommendation is to go somewhere where you're going to enjoy it. 
so you know for me like the, uh, this is one of the so like the, the school that i'm trained in is called the shivananda school and there's it's a very traditional yogic school but was taught by a, a like a, a real pioneer uh, indian guy and um you know there's pictures of Shivananda was the teacher's teacher. It was named after, you know, the teacher's teacher. And you see pictures of them, you know, in different yoga studios. You go, and they all like got grins ear to ear. You know, they're big smiles on their face. And there's this, there's this one great picture that sticks in my mind where there's a guy doing, you know, the wheel, you know, the one where you're kind of bending backwards yes. and your hands are on the floor <laughs> and your feet are on the floor. I mean, it's another one of those, like if you're a beginner, you look at it and you think, oh my God, I'm never going to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's doing the wheel and the, there's another guy, a small guy, kind of looks quite and a young, he's sitting on top of him. <laughs> of course. And everyone, all these Indian guys are all stood around, like looking under, you know, like just having fun. And they're all laughing, you know, it's a big joke, you know, they're having fun with it. And, and it, like the teacher's there, the Shivananda guy, he's there and he's a very imposing figure. He was a really tall and really broad guy. And, you know, he's just like, you can feel the fun radiating out of him. And I think like that for me, if I'd have gone to a class where the lady wasn't, like I said, very humble and very approachable, mm. it would have been impossible for me to connect to it because I'd never heard anyone even chant before. You know, she one time did some chanting in the class. She said, okay, everyone, I want to keep an open mind. I'm going to do some chanting. <laughs> and, you know, I can remember being a bit like, oh God, you know, what's this? Yeah. And at the end of that class, my mom was like to me, wow wasn't that amazing and i was like uh well okay you know and and it really touched somewhere in her and my yeah. mom loves chanting now she'll go to a kirtan you know like the traditional indian chanting and just love it you know she doesn't know how the words and she openly admits that she's a really bad singer but she'll yeah. just get right into it you know and so like for my mom classes that have got chanting in are fun you know that's for her it's inspiring something you know makes that fun yeah you know for you it's the stillness it's the silence for me I like the physicality you know I want to be challenged physically at the same time as also finding that peace so you know go to somewhere that gels for you in anything right you know if you're going to go yeah. to a new workplace if you're going to you know buy a new car or whatever you know like it's got to meet your needs this is my biggest complaint about spirituality in inverted commas or yoga or meditation. People say all the time, oh, I tried that. I can't do it. And it's like, okay, you know, and it's like, what does meditation mean? There is such a huge topic, you know, that you could, we could spend literally two days just talking about all the different types of meditation, not to mention, as you point out, all the different yoga schools, the classes, you know, that you can do on breath work, far reaching stuff, you know, it's like the, the, for me, I want to ask myself, okay, what do I want to get out of this? You know, like yeah. what do I want at the end of the class? You know, what's the result that that's for me. Like I'm a results based person. Yeah. That's a good idea. Cause then you work back from there. Stand at the top of the mountain looking down. Yeah. Where, why do I want to get up here? Have you ever gone to a laughing yoga class? Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never wanted to go. 
I have always thought that would just be weird. I've never wanted to go. If somebody invited me, I would say no. Yep. I went, my like first it? one was exactly like that. I was like, oh God, I don't want to yeah. be here. Cringe. And then, this, yeah, the second one I went to, no one else turned up and it was just me and this guy. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's try this. And um, it was so awkward and so weird that I've never laughed so much in my whole life. Right. You know, just because it was really comical, like the setting, just me and him in this empty room. Yeah, <laughs> you know, two like, strangers. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that, it still makes me smile thinking about Do you it actually do yoga in that class or do you just laugh? No. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a pranayama class, really. It's a breathwork class, really. Okay. The idea is that, you know, you, you get the diaphragm moving in a particular way. It's actually the, the, uh, the idea of it is brilliant. Yeah. The guy is really onto something. I mean, it makes sense because when you feel happy, your life is just automatically improved. For me, I don't know if it's because I'm Canadian or just weird maybe, but for a long time, it was hard for me to laugh out loud. Like I would laugh out loud, but not in a movie or anything. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'd be watching a movie and my partner would go, would go, do you think it's funny? And I'd say, yeah, it's hilarious. But then <laughs> not laughing at all. And then laughing I noticed the that, yeah, laughing on the inside. Cause it's, you know, it's that classic thing. Are you enjoying that? Yeah. Well, why don't you tell your face that it's the same thing. So, you know, and I just think that, you know, over time I've kind of, you know, lightened up a bit where I'm able to laugh. When you laugh, you just, you feel joy. You know, it's kind of hard to fake that. The hidden kind of um, beauty or the hidden teaching behind laughing is that the um, solar plexus chakra is in the space in between the ribs cage. And the solar plexus chakra is the one that controls the diaphragm and the lower emotions. It clears out lower emotions and also does stuff with the um, digestive system. And so the solar plexus, when you laugh and you really, ha, 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 you know, that, is actually getting cleared and cleansed. So in the Jewish tradition, they say that laughter is the medicine for the soul. Mm. And so literally, when you laugh, you de-stress the energy body. The physical body gets cleaned and there's um, hormones that get released. You know, the happy hormones get released in the brain. So even if you're faking it, it still works. Not, not to the same degree. You know, yeah. But uh, even if you're faking it, it still works. Hmm. So you talked a little bit there about breath work. Let's talk about that now. So, are there different types of breath work? You just—I know there are, but you I mean you just gave an example of one right there with that kind of breathing. So, exactly. what kind of breath work do you practice, or what kind of breath work do you think is important to do? Because, I mean, we do technically do breath work all the time when we're just living, right? Well, probably the worst kind. Yeah, the shallow, <laughs> you know? mean the shallow yeah. breathing. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, think about it. Like when you get stressed, right, the, the breath changes. You know, we, we breathe shorter or we hold the breath. And that, again, is to do with the solar plexus, right? It's controlling the diaphragm. So as the stress energy fills up the solar plexus, then the solar plexus gets tight and stops uh, cycling in the way it should do. And then the breath changes. 
So I think that everybody, and I mean this, everybody should do breath work. You know, once you're over the age of like 14, 16, you know, whatever's appropriate for your body. Um, and really, that's the main reason is that as a society, we are not very good at releasing stress or pent up emotion. In fact, we live in a perpetual state of stress. And, you know, like I've had it, I've had people at my yoga classes come up to me at the end and say, are we always going to lie there quietly at the end of the class? And I say, yeah, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's I, the I best part. <laughs> yeah, right. I, well, and they say, I can't handle that. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah. you know, you're taking them down a few steps to the point where they start to see how busy their mind is. They start to see how uncomfortable they feel emotionally if they stop for a little bit and I get it, you know, that's exactly how I felt when I started. Um, And so, you know, breath work, it's super, super beneficial, you know, and there's some really basic breath works that you can do. uh, And, you know, all different types of breath work have different purposes. So I'm a little reluctant to sort of say, do this one, do that, you know, because um, you really, you need a little bit of instruction. Uh, But, you know, there's heaps of videos on YouTube and you can do that and then you can go and see someone. Uh, One breathwork that I would recommend and my school recommends it, both schools, the yoga school and the pranic school, uh, is balancing breathing, which is basically where you cover one nostril and you breathe through the other and then you switch nostrils. So balancing breathing works to as usual, cleanse the energy body. It cleanses certain um, organs like the kidneys, the spleen. Uh, It helps to clean the sinuses. Also helps to balance the right and left hemispheres of the brain. And, you know, they're showing this on, you know, they're they're getting people plugged up to the machines, you know, and they're showing when they do these balancing breathing exercises, the brain is more harmonized. Well, that's the difference between you know, you're either floating out there in the world of creativity and not getting anything done, or you're super focused on, you know, nuts and bolts, you know, because of different hemispheres of the brain control different things, right? One's creative uh, and one is like tangible. And so when you balance the hemispheres of the brain, well, that they say that is genius happening because that is how a genius can work. Someone like Einstein, he sits on a light beam in a daydream moving away from a clock. And then he looks back at the clock and he sees the time on the clock hasn't changed. And then he creates the theory of relativity from that daydream because the the brain's well balanced. He can take that creativity and bring it into the physical world. So, you know, if you want to have, more peace in your life if you want your cognitive function to be better if you want to be less stressed you know if you want your uh, internal organs to be healthier if you you know want to take more oxygen from your air that you're breathing in and get rid of the co2 which is the waste product you know you could just go on and on and on about why doing uh, breath work yeah yeah when i think about it it makes sense to me in the sense that and i'll use a plumber analogy so that you understand it's almost like you have a pipe, right? 
a pipe and then there are blockages in the pipe, which would be, let's say, stress points. And I guess when you work on your breathing, you can, it helps to sort of flush, flush that out. Is that right? The word nadi, the Indian word nadi, which means tube, that's what the yogis are referring to when number one, the nadi also includes the veins and the um, you know digestive system and things like that because they're tubes, oh, but also right. it includes what the Chinese medicine world calls meridians, the energy wiring. So in Indian, like they've just got one word for all of it. It's nadi. Yeah. Yeah. And so exactly what you're saying is hmm. when you do breath work, you clean in the nadis, the tubes. So if, if I were to start balanced breathing to bring out the genius and to clean the nadis out, I guess, yeah. how yeah. often would you recommend somebody do that? Well, you, you want to really want to be careful with breath work. This is why I was saying it's a good idea to go be and trained. see someone. Yeah. You see, the yeah. thing is with breath work is like if you've got like, so you come to a pranic class, right? You come and learn pranic healing. I will show you in, in level one, day one, how to feel the energy of the aura. And then that gives you a tool that's very important because if I sit here and say to you, Lauren, oh, you know, your energy body gets bigger and it cleans your nadis and it does this, you know, you're like, okay, maybe it does, but maybe it doesn't. <laughs> it's like, yeah. how, how would I know? You know, how would I know that? Well, if you do a practice like, you know, it doesn't have to be pranic, but it's, a, it's the one that I know. So I'll talk yeah. about it yeah. where, you know, it, you can test if the energy body gets bigger then it's information that you have then. So if I'm talking back home to my mate who's a plumber who's still never gone and done any yoga classes yeah. or whatever, you know, <laughs> and he says to me, well, why would I do that? And I say, well, because, you know, it cleans your system out and yeah. your energy gets bigger and brighter. And he says, no, it doesn't. Well, it's a fact for me. I've known, I know it because I've tested it for myself. Yeah. Not once, but many, many times on different people and so when you do pranayama or breath work, the energy body gets bigger and that's fine and that's beneficial. But just like going to the gym, if, you know, I go to the gym with, I don't know, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone, like it's not going to work, right? Because right. he can push a lot more weights than I can. And if I think to myself, oh, well, the best way for me to get up there is to go and do four hours of heavy weights, I'm going to hurt myself really quickly. You know, I need to go into the area where there's those little pink weights that are covered in rubber, you know, and I'm like pumping away and getting my strength up, yeah. you know, and then I move on to the slightly bigger ones. And like this, you know, someone can guide me then and say, okay, if you want to do some big weights, here you go. Right. And so that that's the same with breath work, but it's a little more... Um, difficult because there's not so much training I guess like I've had students pranic students who I've said oh you know here's some interesting breath work why don't you look into this and they've come and seen me and said oh I was killing that breath work I was doing it really like you know I, I, and, and something happened and I felt like something popped this is a real true story wow the guy said to me I felt like something popped and since then my brain's not been working he said, I can't even decide if I want to get in the car or not. Oh and my. so straight away, I know that 
one of the chakras or part of the energy body has been damaged. So because of the training that I've had, I, I was able to check and yep, sure enough, the one in between the eyebrows, what we call the Ajna, that had, a, uh, had been bust open because of too much energy too soon. So I, I sealed it up for him and told him, you know, how to look after it and to, you know, watch out for certain things. And he was fine, you know, he got over it. But if he'd have just learned that on YouTube, and he hadn't have known somebody that, you know, I, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm I brilliant. I'm just saying that I've had training in that yeah. field, you know. So if he hadn't have been able to reach out to me, how, how do you think his life would look now? That was about a year ago. He couldn't yeah. decide whether or not he wanted to get in the car, right? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> his life look? It, it, the, the yogic texts are, are littered with warnings about it. And as even now, I've seen like recently that over the last uh, probably 50 years in particular, there's a lot of teachers out there that are warning about things that sometimes it's called forced Kundalini awakening. It, that is something that can happen and that is something that is dangerous, but there's also things that you can damage yourself just by having too much energy too quickly. I've never, ever heard it expressed like that. So thank you for that because I'm sure a listener at home as well, many of them might be thinking I've never heard it, you know, a warning for breath work either. So, and it's kind of goes back to the whole, you know, yoga thing as well, that when you're in a yoga class, don't endeavor to do the plow or the wheel if it's yeah. your first day, because if you're yeah. in a wheel position and you're tired at all, you could crack <laughs> your head like, or your yeah. neck. Like you, it could happen. So totally. it's kind of the same thing. I think that sometimes when you talk about a concept such as breath work, it, you're kind of left with the feeling that it's not that complicated. Sure. And in a lot of ways, it's not, right? And maybe it's not. But at the same time, the power of it and the explanation that you've given there showcases that you're doing something, you know, that, you know, you're, you're, you're forcing your body to do something that it's not used to doing. And so you're right. You could, yeah. yeah. So that's good. I've just never really heard it explained like that. Um, there's a guy called Wim Hof. Yeah. So uh, Wim Hof, he's a Dutch fella and he uses a very powerful breathwork technique. And I've done it. I really like the guy. He's a lot of fun. His techniques are very, very powerful. Uh, you know, if you want to be a little bit more superhuman, you know, you can definitely use his techniques. But, geez, be careful. I'm not kidding you. Be careful. I'm part of his Facebook group, and I see people on there, you know, posting things like, oh, you know, my, I've been doing this practice, and my fingers have been going numb for, like, two months. You know? <laughs> It's not a problem. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's like, it, you know, it's scary. Yeah. And, and that, that's like what this guy Wim Hof is doing. He's giving people a very quick introduction to very, very powerful breathwork. And he gives warnings, but, you know, like we give a lot of warnings about road traffic safety, right? Yeah. It doesn't stop people kind of driving around too quickly or, you know, yeah. so it's like that. You know. Yeah. And sometimes they think, oh, it won't happen to me or I'm different or. Yeah. 
you know, but yeah, I guess, and that's probably comes down to also being self-aware what kind of a person you are. So if you're going to be in a super extremist for whatever reason, you know, read the warning, the warnings are there for a reason. Yeah. Um, maybe I won't put a link to that guy's stuff in the show notes. <laughs> you should Just watch a documentary of his. He's a lot yeah, of Yeah, okay. Actually, I will. And I'll check it out because our listeners at home can make their own mind up because they're adults. <laughs> Do you ever teach, I know you've got kids. Do you ever teach your kids anything about breathwork in relation to how to maybe control or, or manage stress or how to calm down thoughts and things like that? Because I would imagine that at least for me, if I'm really, really worked up in my mind, sometimes just taking a really nice, deep, calming breath is actually mm. really advantageous and I don't feel needs to come with a warning necessarily. Sure, yeah. And I would agree with that. Um, look, my kids are a little young at the moment for that stuff. You know, we've got five-year-old and a two-year-old. So I, I do, like the two-year-old has my kind of build, very slight and tends to feel the cold easily. So I teach her breath work to help her warm herself up a little bit. You know, if we've been swimming and she starts shivering, I'll show her how to change the metabolism of her body to heat itself. Um, you know, and definitely the, I will be showing them things as they get older. Um, but at the moment, you know, like if you want to learn how to breathe properly, then watch a child breathe because yeah, they, they don't have, full. exactly. They're, they're not you're all bound up in the same way that we are. You know, yeah. we're dealing with, um, I mean, you're like what, 21. So you, you've not got that much stuff to deal with, but you yeah. know, like I'm 42, you know, I've got a lot of stuff that I've, a lot of baggage that, I, you know, has come with me over the years. And so I, I'm, you know, for me to breathe properly and easily, it takes a little bit of practice. It takes a little bit of time. And yeah. yeah so that's what I would say about, mm. you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, with children, you do have to be careful, especially in the breath work arena. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just let children do their thing. <laughs> and yeah. if they need to calm their minds, meditation is probably a good fit for them potentially. For sure. You know, definitely a little bit older. Look, we're kind of pro crying. You know, we intentionally let our children cry. Not, not my thing, Angie's. Um, and I saw the change and the difference that happened in uh, our oldest after she'd have a cry. And it's a stress release. Yeah. So if, if the child's not been allowed to cry and, and has a buildup of stress, then there probably would be some good breath works that you could do, but they would be like what is called tiger yawn. And that's like a mixture of a breath work and a pose where you, you, you breathe in deeply and then you, from the, from the abdomen, from the solar plexus, you like a, you know, oh, and you yeah. bring that out. That's actually a yogic pose. I've done that in uh, yoga before. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And the Qigong pose. Also, they have it in Qigong. So, you know, when, when you see them crossing over, also the Maoris do it, right? Yeah. You know, when they're oh, doing yeah. the haka, yeah. you know, they're sticking the tongue out and they're, you know, yeah. they're getting rid of the dirty and diseased energy, the stress energy, the, the anxiety, the, all that stuff, right? And so they would be the sort of things I would teach the kids, you know, because, yeah, okay. 
you know, not not so much our kids. You know, they're always running around yelling anyway. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, a little bit older. But it's good though. Like when you're talking about letting them cry. I mean, I don't have kids, so it's easy for me to say this. But you know, it also self soothe. The kids learn to self soothe as well when they're doing that mm. and how to calm themselves down. Right. Uh, I did a meditation the other day that was a Wayne Dyer meditation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it was through the Hay House Meditations app. And he did a whole, about 20 minutes. It reminded me of the, um, the breath that you just did because it was about, but it was about chanting. So he's doing the long, ah, kind of thing. And I remember yeah. when I first listened to it, it was, it was awful because I don't want to hear someone else doing that. But then I thought, okay, well, I'll just give it a go because no one's yep. home and, you know, the windows are <laughs> shut. <laughs> so, so, and I gave it a go and it's actually, it was really interesting. I'm going to try it again because I think it's the same thing of what you were kind of talking about where you, where you let the breath out, where you let that energy and kind of push it out. So yep. that's an example of a meditation that's a really active meditation. Can you tell me a little bit about the meditations that you're familiar with and maybe the importance of meditation? Yeah. Um, so look, the meditations that, uh, I practice uh, and that I practice because they're the ones that, you know, have been given by the school that I'm a part of are really meditations that are, uh, about cleaning the energy body, making the chakras brighter and spin more freely and connecting to, you know, the 12th chakra, the one above the head, which, you know, Christians might call the soul or, you know, Buddhists might call the Buddha nature and, you know, like this. So um, those are meditations that are, I guess, designed to take us and into a state of evolving, evolving spiritually and mentally and uh, emotionally and even physically, actually. Mm. Um so they're, they're the meditations I practice. However, you know, a lot of people are under the impression that meditation is, um, you know, sitting quietly and still in the mind. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine uh, and really important, actually. Um, however, my teacher says that, um, that silence, uh, inner stillness, is the stepping stone to greater inner spiritual activities. So that's like the, the precursor, you know, is to get to that point of stillness. And I guess if I was going to talk about meditation, I would have to, you know, I, I can feel a little bit of resistance in myself here because I don't really talk about this too much because I always feel like your spiritual practice is a personal thing. Um, you know, yeah. it's something that is, it's about you and it would be like me, you know, maybe describing my lovemaking, you know, it's, it's a personal thing, you know, it's something that is and a very intimate thing. But if I was going to talk about what meditation is for me, it's basically merging with your soul. It's, it's connecting to the part of you that is bigger than the personality it's bigger than all the worries and the problems, and it, it holds those within it. The, the problem for us on a day-to-day basis is we think we are our thoughts. We have a thought about something and we believe it. Oh, yeah, you know, I've thought this, that must be true. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, yeah. 
it's comical actually when you actually look into it. Yeah. Um, and that's really the thing that once you start to really connect to that highest part of yourself, the soul, the Buddha nature, whatever it is, it just gives you a lot of perspective. It gives you the ability to see a little bit beyond your personality, to understand other people's personalities and to embrace them with all their flaws. You know, to see, oh, I'm not perfect. That person's not perfect. You know, it's like, you know, it, you know, when people talk about oneness, I always think it's like a bit of a, a distant idea because we talk about it and, but we're always faced with this same problem. Well, you know, maybe we are one, but I can see that you're over there and I'm over here. So, yeah. you know, like, how does that work? Yeah. And that's really, I guess the, you know, it's very, like all the spiritual teachers are saying a similar thing. We can't really explain it with words. No. It's an experience. And so your meditation practice, it's a personal experience. No one can tell you or you're doing it wrong. You know, it's, it's like anything. You know, we can't expect to be good at anything with no, no practice or very little practice. Um, yeah. And so, you know, meditation, it's a constantly evolving subjective experience, you know. I think that's so important because I think that people forget that it is practice. That's exactly right. You're not going to sit down and get it right. And I've been out of, med- out of the practice of meditation for a long time, and I'm just getting back into it now over the last you know few weeks, actually. And you know, I've had a couple of meditations where I've not guided because you know you can listen, and sometimes that helps. But I've I've done a couple of meditations where I've fallen asleep and I'm thinking, well, why have I fallen asleep here? And I remember asking, you know, one of um, my guests and they said, well, maybe you just needed to quiet, you know, get the ego out of the way and just, you know, kind of calm down for a while. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about, you know, made me think of Eckhart Tolle's teachings, which are all about, I talk about them in pretty much every show, but it's the most amazing stuff. For me, it's been life-changing because he talks a lot about, you know, being in the moment and being here and now. And I remember one time I read something, I think I'm pretty sure it was from him, but it was, you know, you're not your mind. And also you don't have to believe everything you think. And for me, that was just such a light bulb moment where I went, I understood the separation of my mind versus my soul in a way that I hadn't really understood it before. And I think that meditation can help you to separate the two ideas than thinking that all of these thoughts that you're conjuring up in your mind belong to you. Yeah. 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 I'm totally like, I, I think it was Eckhart Tolle in one of his books. He quoted uh, like a Japanese meditation expert um, and when asked, you know, what he felt about the world, this guy said, lost in thought. That was his description of the world, lost in thought. And, you know, it's such like, I can remember reading these kind of things when I was like right at the beginning of, you know, taking an interest in meditation and I was just like, what are they on about? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like what, like what, so what, you know, like big deal. And then you start to have some experiences that you might call kind of blissful or, you know, um, you know, super normal or supernatural or whatever. 
And then you're like, oh my God, you know, like yeah. this is so much better than all that anxiety and pain and everything else yeah. that I'm just dealing with all the time and I'm trying to process yeah. and I'm trying to just manage, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like respite. It's, yeah, for me, it was like, oh, geez, I needed it. <laughs> I find a lot of peaceful moments in yoga as well, especially after I've gone to yoga. I find it really helps quiet my mind. I know some friends of mine, they say, oh, I need to go for a run and clear my head. For me, yoga does that for me. And I think that when you practice meditation, and I think, you know, when you said that it takes practice, that is just the most important thing to drive home, even just like for myself, I'm reminding myself because sometimes we know, especially if we've glimpsed opportunities of blissfulness, like you're talking about, or peace or, or you know, times when we've had no thought, you know, it's frustrating to not be there more often. And I think that it's, you know, you can be your own worst enemy when you, you know, are trying to get that to happen again, but then your thoughts keep getting in the way. I had a guest the other day and, um, or sorry, I had a guest like last month and she explained to me, I don't know if you've ever heard it explained this way, Paul, but she's a medium. Okay. And so she channels spirit and mm. she was explaining that with her meditation, one of the you know, ways, because I asked her, well, how do you know that you're not interfering with the messaging, right? That you're just actually delivering the message as it's meant to be given. Yes. And she said that she was able to, she's able to separate. So through practice of meditation, she was able mm -hmm. to quiet the egoic mind, quiet that mind that's just talking all the time and mm -hmm. allow for spirit and inspiration to enter. And I'd never heard it explained in that kind of a division. Have you ever heard it explained like that? Do you understand yeah. it like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, can I, I think I might have mentioned it when we talked in the first uh, podcast, the book by Paramahansa Yogananda, the autobiography yeah. of a yogi. You know, like through the power of meditation, he talks about masters being able to bi-locate, so actually physically appear in other locations, not just separate out, you know, from the ego and from the, and, you, you know, there's a lot of, like, I've been around a lot of different schools, Tibetan Buddhist schools, they have a lot of interesting stories, you know, people, you know, being able to, um, you know, do superhuman feats through their power, their meditative power. And that's what this Wim Hof guy, he's showing you, you know, through breath work. And he also promotes meditation, um, you know, that you can uh, withstand extreme cold, things like this. So, um, you know, like that's what I was saying earlier. What, what's your goal out of meditation? What do you want to achieve? You know, for me, I always wanted to achieve my highest potential. So that was where my meditation took me. For some people, they want peace, you know, so they'll yeah. go down a different route. You know, it's it, like it depends what you want. And I think that at the moment we live in a world that's got a very, you know, diverse spiritual marketplace, you know. And so you can go any which way you want. You can go, like you said, Louise Hay apps. You can, you know, sit down and try to still the mind. You can do meditations like we do in our school, you know. It's just never ending amount of stuff that you can touch upon. Yeah. Yeah. I often think that if um, 
I ever had to do solitary confinement, which I won't have to, I'm not manifesting that, I'm just saying, <laughs> that, you know, it would be such a, an important skill for, for people to understand how to meditate because I think that that's where you do find, you know, your higher purpose or spirit or inspiration or like you said, you know, if you figure out your purpose then and work back from that. So if listeners can take away you know, one message from our conversation today. Is there a theme that we didn't discuss more that you want to just kind of talk a little bit more about? Or is there anything that, you know, one little nugget of wisdom that you want our listener at home to think about? Food for thought? The, what I found through uh, the work that I've done is that knowing about the energy body and how the energy body works in an experiential way is the secret. If you want more peace, there are certain things that are happening in the energy body that need to change. If you want a more spirituality, there are certain things that happen in the energy body that you might want to change. Like, you know, it's like this. The energy body is the, in inverted commas, secret. It's not so secret. You know, it's been taught about for thousands of years. Yeah. It's your key to transforming your life. We all have certain emotions that we're dealing with, certain thoughts that we're dealing with. It's the fast track. If you want to do it by trying to starve a thought and hoping it will eventually disappear, I, I honestly and sincerely wish you the best, but it might take a long time. If you know the energy body and you can remove that thought from out of the energy body, then you've got something that's going to happen a lot quicker for you. So it's, you know, like this, you know, I, I was doing yoga and Qigong and all kinds of different practices. And I asked myself, well, how do I know which one is best for me? And I didn't at the time. But once I got to know the energy body, I realized, oh, okay, well, if I want this to happen, then I do that practice. If I want that to happen, I do this one. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit like the difference between you know, being blindfolded and, and, you know, walking around the room, groping every item in there and trying to describe which one it is, or just taking the blindfold off and looking in the room. You know, the whole thing is sped up. You know, the whole process is easier. But yeah. you need that understanding. And at the moment, we don't have that widely. So that, that would be my takeaway. You know, don't try and learn everything about breath work or learn everything about yoga asana or learn everything about meditation. Every school says this, know thyself, right? Mm. So know how your energy body works and that will then give you the key to open the doorway to the next part of your practice or evolution or whatever you want to call it. I think sometimes, that was really well said, Paul, thank you. I think sometimes people don't think that their life can get better or improve. And, you know, much like you said before, it's, you need to try different things out. You need to see, you know, try on different shoes to see if they fit. And I think personally that you also need to be self-aware enough to see the reaction. And I don't think, you know, the reaction in yourself. And I don't think that you should try something only once and then write it off as working or not working because okay. especially not working because there are definitely a lot of options, you know, out there in, in these sort of worlds. And, you know, much like you said, Paul, we've only really touched on, you know, the surface of everything here. 
So thank you so much for your time today. For our listeners at home, Paul has generously offered all listeners who mention the afterlight a free phone consultation through his business, goldencrownhealing.com. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. So is the best way for people to connect with you through your website or on Facebook and Instagram? Websites are most reliable. Okay. Yeah. Facebook, we're on there, but not all the time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I, uh, yeah, I know I learned something and hopefully our listener at home did too. Okay. Thanks, Laura. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.